For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, kia ora, good morning. It is three past nine here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Smithy, of course, as you know if you listen to this program regularly, is in Australia as part of the T20 World Cup coverage. So Ricardo Ball in for him uh, today and uh, for the next three weeks. Now coming up on the show today, Nicole Murray. World champion paracyclist. She's gone to Paris for the world champs and come away with two gold medals, neither of which are in her preferred discipline. So we'll talk to her. Uh, she's at Paris Airport and uh, about to fly home. So we'll talk to her about that, how that all came about as well. Uh, we're also going to catch up uh, with Jason Gulaskiraham uh, to talk about golf particularly New Zealanders, are winning. Like Sam Jones, first amateur to win the Charles Trophy. Lydia Ko, Steve Elker, both going really well with wins this weekend. Ryan Fox, another top four finishes. Well, on the panel after 10, the insufferable Jamie Wall will be on to punish us with uh, chats about Wellington winning the MPC. Sam Ackerman also in there. And then after 11 o'clock, Gerard Cronin. Uh, the SEN NFL expert is going to join us. We're going to talk NFL. And, of course, we will also have... Stumped as well, your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet. It's 111 for nine. Tim Southey is two for six. He's starting his third over. He might have one here because it's been skied straight up by Cummins. Lining up the catches. Conway behind the wicket. He gloves it. And that's all she wrote. New Zealand wiped the floor with Australia in the opening game of the Super 12 of the ICC Men's T20 World Cup at 22. Yeah, a spectacular win for the Black Caps against Australia at the weekend, and it's been a massive shot in the arm for New Zealand cricket fans. After the disappointment of the Chapel Hadley series, there was a very real belief on this side of the ditch that there was a mental block in the Black Caps when it came to beating the Aussies on their own patch, and you can see why. I mean, we had the Australians five down for 44 in the first Chapel Hadley, and five down for 54 in the second. On both occasions, the Black Caps froze and couldn't apply the coup de grace and went on to lose the series 3-0. If it was disheartening for fans, can you imagine how that felt in the team camp? That experience, plus the weight of knowing that no Black Caps team has beaten the old enemy on their own patch since 2011, coming into the opening game of the T20 World Cup, was a massive hurdle Gary Stead had to get his team over. Kudos must go to him and the leadership of the team for doing so. I mean, speaking to Ian Smith yesterday, he mentioned that Gary Stead gave the players a break from training and an opportunity to get their heads out of the game after their poor performance against the Proteas in the last warm-up game. It worked, and the 90-run win against the hosts must be celebrated. But the question is, has that hoodoo been broken? 
Can the Black Caps go on and qualify for the semi-finals? And if they do, can they beat the Aussies again next time out? That is the question. And that is a question for you. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. There is a $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card on the line for uh, the best caller of the day. So let us know what your thoughts are on that. Has the hoodoo been broken? If we go and play the Australians potentially maybe in the final of the T20 World Cup, do you back the boys to do it? Do you think we now have the self-belief that we can beat Australia on their own patch? 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can hit us on double eight double three. That is the temper bedpost text machine, Double eight double three. Keen to hear from you and get your take on where the Black Caps now sit when it comes to that rivalry with the Australians and that mental block that we've talked about so much over the last year or so. 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811 or 8833. That's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, We can also talk the Rugby League World Cup uh, Tonga. Look like they might be uh, in for an upset. The Welsh led 6-4 at half time but the Tongans have turned it up in the second half. 10 minutes left they lead 30-6 against the Welsh now. And uh, uh, they uh, look like they are dominating that. And that's pretty much the Welsh done now that they've lost to Tonga and the Cook Islands. They cannot get out of their group, you wouldn't think. So we can talk about that as well. Also, what about the, uh, the, the All Blacks? The All Blacks have announced that they are going to be playing South Africa two weeks before the World Cup starts next year at Twickenham. At Twickenham. I've, I don't know about you, but as... An all-black fan, I have. I, I read that, and I went two weeks before the World Cup. We're playing the box in Twickenham. I don't have a problem with us playing in Twickenham and playing the over there. And, and you know, it's 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 a financial decision. I'm sure that New Zealand rugby will do very well out of it. But I just thought of R.G. Snyman and that shoulder that he dropped into Brody Retallick before the last World Cup that saw Retallick come into the last World Cup injured or recovering from injury, and I thought, do we really want to play a box side who are that big, that physical, and let's be honest, don't mind being a bit dirty either, just two weeks before the World Cup 2023 campaign? Keen to talk to you on all of those topics, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, the All Blacks playing the Springboks in England two weeks before the World Cup. Does that worry you? Is the hoodoo broken? The Black Caps against Australia in Australia. Now that they've beaten them on the weekend, is the hoodoo broken? Are you confident that the, if the Black Caps played them again in this tournament, that they could get up again? Let us know what you think on that front. Uh, 0800 And speaking of hoodoos, as we're going to hear from Jamie Wall in the next hour, Wellington beat Canterbury on their own patch and won their first NPC title since 2000. If you're a Wellington fan, have you come back to earth yet? Because I know there's plenty of Wellington fans that were should we say over the moon to use an old cliche about that win? I mean, uh, it, it it had been years of pain for Wellington rugby fans, particularly at the hands of Canterbury, it has to be said. I think there's between 2000 and 2022, six or seven finals uh, and semifinals where the Cantabs had put paid to Wellington winning the title. Is that hoodoo done? 
for Wellington being able to beat Canterbury in Canterbury? Let us know. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Or 8833. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. So keen to talk all of those things with you. Maybe, maybe you're a Liverpool fan. If you're a Liverpool fan, how worried are you right now? Uh, midweek, things looked like you were going on the, on the up and up. A 1-0 win over Manchester City, the defending champions. It's like Liverpool are back. This is, this is what you want as a Liverpool fan. And then at the weekend, go to Nottingham Forest. Cellar dwellers sitting bottom of the Premier League and lose 1-0. Where does that leave Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool? Well, I'll tell you where it leaves them. It leaves them eighth in the Premier League at the moment. And they have a big game in the Champions League midweek against Ajax. Luis Diaz, Diego Jota, missing till after the World Cup. Trent Alexander-Arnold out of form as well. Midfield looking pretty sparse. And a game in Holland that they have to win, really, to ensure that they get to the knockout stages of the Champions League. If you're a Liverpool fan, how are you feeling about that? Maybe maybe you're a Breakers fan, because the Breakers have certainly had a great start to the season. They are, in the, at the moment, in the, in the top two of the Australian NBL. And that win against Cairns Taipans, who were top, who had a 4-1 record, it was an ugly win. They ground it out, but it was a good win, wasn't it? It was a good win. That's the kind of win you need to make if you're going to win championships. Uh, it was all based on defence. So maybe if you're a Breakers fan, there are silver linings. Uh, it looks like uh, maybe the club is turning things around from the last couple of years. 0800 150 is our phone number, or double eight double three. the Temper Bedpost text machine. Chris from Tauranga joins us. G'day, Chris. How are you? G'day, man. How are you? Are you good? Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty shattered myself with all the World Cups that are on, you know, trying to keep up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling, man. I know that feeling. What, what, was, that, what was the highlight for the weekend for you? Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, actually, funny enough, the highlight, um, obviously the Black Caps, but the India-Pakistan game was incredible atmosphere. It was an incredible finish, and uh, yeah, that was it was one of the highlights, believe it or not. But I'm a massive Black Cap fan, so uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, mate, it was good. What do you think? Do you think that the um, do you think that the the Black Caps have, have broken the hoodoo with the Aussies and Aussie? Well, I think they've broken the hoodoo for sure, but I think there's another hoodoo broken. That's um, in the past, we don't normally go for, we go for the, you know, we would have gone for the Martin Gupta in, in the selection table. And I mm. think the fact that we uh, took the young gun that was showing some promise, I think that's something we don't normally do. So maybe that hoodoo's broken and maybe we go down that path from now on. You know? It seemed to work with Finn Allen. So. Yeah, Finn Allen's in great form, Devin Conway as well. I, where are you on, yep. um, on, on, on Kane Williamson at the moment? Oh, you've got to have him in the side, but he's certainly looking a bit slow, isn't he? Um, he's got it, you know. I mean, I was I was worried that we were going to get to the stage where, and and where we lose another wicket, and we have Williamson and Chapman in there just starting, you know, starting to pick the singles off and drying up a bit. And that was what I was worried about at one point. But um, and then when it came to the Aussies batting, um, you kept sort of thinking, oh, the next I'll probably do it, you know, probably do it. And then they, as they started to fall, it was yeah, it was really good. So yeah, it was great. The hoodoo's broke. Who is broken? broken. Yeah, what did you make of that uh, decision not to bat Steve Smith? I mean, I think Smithy brought it up yesterday. I don't know if you heard yesterday, but Smithy said, you know, when Glenn Maxwell's coming in at four, the guy's really a six or a seven, but, you know, it sort of showed where they were at, and it's an unusual decision from the Aussies. Yeah, it's really unusual. Normally, uh, but normally one of their big hitters will um, come off. I mean, even the uh, not having the all-rounder in green, he, he was in great form. Those two, Smith and Green, would have made a big difference to that team. 
But uh, yeah, it was good for us. So um, look, and, and you just never know. Someone like Sri Lanka, who won the uh, Asian um, Cup, could well pull off an upset tonight against Australia. Wouldn't that be good? Mate, how good would that be? I mean, that's the thing too. The <laughs> Sri Lankans in the the play-in tournament, if you want to call it that. Um, I thought looked very uh, like they looked shaky to start with. They lost their first game of that, but then they they came good and they they dominated it to get through. So I mean, they're a team that's in form at the moment as well, which is it's going to be really interesting to see how they go against the Aussies. I expect the Aussies will have too much, but you know, are we starting to see the uh, the end of that golden generation of Aussies, particularly the bowling stocks? You know, that that bowling lineup starting to look a bit old, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but it's, I mean, it's pretty accurate but they again they didn't change their game plan they just pitched it up and thought oh we'll get them out shortly um you know all three batsmen pitched it up and right into the hitting zone of um you know Finn and, and Conway so look but yeah but the thing is in, in the past New Zealand would have gone right with 30 off two overs it's just consolidated but but those two didn't you know they just kept on going and, and that's obviously Finn's game plan and it works perfectly I think it won't always come off but hopefully it comes off in the big ones so yeah, and I, th- I think that's part of it too as well. You know, we, and I talked about this last week in terms of some of the youngsters like the Ruben Loves and um, the um, Karifi Duplessis and, and, and um, Peter Coeyes and things like that at, at, at Wellington. They don't have that baggage, they, you know, that mental that, that yep. mental baggage of, of, you know, sort of losing close games against Canterbury before, so maybe they didn't carry that into it. And I wonder with the likes of Allen and, and, and Conway, you know, they don't have that, all right, we better take our foot off the gas now. Yeah, Conway didn't play in the final against the Australians in the in the World Cup, you know, so he mm. didn't have that baggage, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right, but uh, as for Williamson, it just doesn't seem to the elbow injury just hasn't, you know, it doesn't seem to be. You got to have him in there, don't you? Um, and for once, I thought it was really good captaincy. Uh, he, he kept attacking, you know. I mean, we had the runs, but but the, all there, all you know. I mean, there was a there was a single every single. Um, ball in our betting innings, there certainly wasn't in theirs, you know, we had the gaps close um, it's probably a lot easier with 200 runs, but um, yeah, I thought it was good captaincy as well. Yeah, it certainly helps Yeah, I mean that's actually, somebody was talking to me about this, and somebody who knows a lot more about cricket than, than I do, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to remember who it was, but they talked about the way Kane Williamson uh, used to bat is that his front elbow was quite high and having yep. the elbow quite high, it meant that he could play the ball later because it was right under his eyes, the, the way that uh, his, that stance worked. But the elbow injury has meant he's had to change his stance, so he's not being able to play the ball as late, and maybe that's causing him some issues. Yeah, it might well be the point. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, I um, agree on that one. Yeah, good stuff, Chris. All right, mate. Hey, listen, thanks for giving us a call. Hey, no dramas. And, and you're right about Sri Lanka. They did look a bit ordinary in those early games. I watched a lot of those games because... Um, uh, Tim Pringle, who's a friend of my son's, I was watching a lot of the, um, their matches, you know, for Netherlands. So I uh, saw a lot of that. Sri Lanka didn't look good, but pre that, you know, they did beat India and Pakistan in that series. So they're, they're capable of some big wins. So yeah, yeah. hopefully tonight. I mean, that, uh, that India Pakistan game was, you know, Chris, I, I'm not a T20 fan as such. You know, like it's probably the my least favourite form of, of cricket. But that India-Pakistan game, you show that to anybody who's a non-believer of T20 and you go, this is what this game is capable of delivering because that was superb. Yeah, and, and Coley said it was his best ever innings. You know, for him to say that is, uh, is huge considering how many he's played. Um, but the, the atmosphere was amazing there considering it was in Australia. It could have been in India, you know, any day of the week. Yeah. They, um, they, 
they did um, he he did probably influence the umpires with the no ball towards the end um, that was really fifty fifty either way. But uh, that, with that crowd behind them, I don't think the the umpires could not but call it a no ball. You know, so that that was probably the turning point as well. Yeah, so, yeah good match. Yeah. yeah, no, no, Thanks, fantastic, mate. mate. No, thank you. Go, go well, Chris. A few texts coming through on double eight double three. You could call us too on oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Morning, Ricardo. Come on, mate. The real news, the real highlights. The Lahore Cup, Nati Paroi's Coast twenty five, Mid Canterbury twenty from Hone in Tokumaru Bay. Thanks for your text, Hone. Yeah, great story. Great story, Nati Paroi's Coast. Going as I've mentioned uh, a few times in the last week, going from that. 55-game uh, losing streak that they broke mid-season to winning the Lahore Cup this season. That is a huge turnaround. And I know Jose Gear was on with breakfast yesterday. And, uh, yeah, what a great job he has done uh, with his team there. Um, this one from Rory. What about that catch? Best catch since Skippy Sinclair. Yeah, that Sinclair catch around the boundary was is one that will always stick with me. I thought that was superb. But Glenn Phillips giving it the full Superman. I don't know what he was thinking, how he thought he was going to land. Um, but when you're fully stretched, I mean, you know, he was at 180 degrees with the ground, fully airborne, and that took the catch with two hands. Superb. One of the best catches you'll ever see. I mean, give, him, give him the trophy already for catch of the tournament. I don't think you're going to see a better catch at this tournament than that. What no, do you reckon, Logan? No, not at all. I mean, yeah, it started off so strong there, didn't he? And when he took that catch for me and he gets up, and he kind of like gestures to the crowd, and all I'm thinking in my head, he's like, SCG, are you not entertained? <laughs> he does have a bit of that about him. I mean, he does walk out to uh, John Cena's intro music, doesn't he, when he bats? So uh, he's got a bit of the gladiator about him. Yeah, it's John Cena now, our good luck chum, after he uh, posted that photo, and all of a sudden he's outed himself uh, as a Black Caps fan? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that's official. He's, uh, he's the biggest Black Caps fan. Probably in terms of size um, around because he's a he's a big unit. Uh, we've had a couple of texts through as well on uh, on crick on the cricket uh, from Roscoe. No, I think the Aussies will give us a hiding. Ricardo didn't see you at the darkness on the weekend either. They were awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the show, Roscoe. Darkness not really my cup of tea, but there you go. Glad you enjoyed the show. Black Caps to win the final. Broken the hoodoo. Go in with confidence against Afghanistan and Sri Lanka. Then England. Black Caps can go all the way. That one from Ed and on 0800 1508. 11. Dean has called through. G'day, Dean. How are you? Yeah, mate, real good. Hang on. I'll just turn the radio down. Yeah, yeah, if but, you can, um, that'll be good. I, 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 I don't like the sound of my own voice that much. Of course you do. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> what did you stand out from the I'm weekend, mate? mate. Like, we, you, we won't see a better catch than that ever. Yeah. We just won't. Like, Maxwell's won the other day. I don't know when he sort of was going behind. I think Guptill hit it, and it sort of went behind him, and he got it. They are all... When you get to that level and you feel the way those guys do, it's just awesome for us buggers that love having a yard and saying, ah, should have, should have, how do you drop that, you know? But that was amazing. I, the catch I, it reminds me of that wasn't a catch was Martin Sneedens with Chapel. Yeah. That was as good a catch, but it just goes down as it wasn't a catch, you know? Yeah, because of dodgy Aussie umpires. Oh, that's just, I love the Aussies, mate. They do everything sensationally well. But at least we've now got a Kiwi that out there on the world stage gives it a bit of what for, you know, like Carlos has, Andrew Merton's has, Jeff Wilson tried to, and then he got told off for celebrating scoring a great try. Like, why can't they? You know, they're, they're in the entertainment business. This is what all these people that are negative lose sight of. 
I want to see a Kiwi doing that. I want them to put it up the Aussies and say, you know, we're actually as good. And in this particular team, they might even be bloody better. There is no better feeling, I think, being a New Zealand sports fan than beating Australia, regardless of what the sport is. I don't really care who we beat. So we beat everyone. I've been a wee bit negative myself and the selections of the All Blacks does my head in. But at the end of the day, I still love them. I still support them. It's just I believe that there could be other players there. And I'm so pleased. I'm not pleased isn't a word. I feel sorry for Dane Cole. He's been a great All Black. But really, Armour, that was a travesty of justice that he hasn't been in the team all year. Like, Wellington, how good was the weekend of rugby to change this topic from cricket? But that Wellington-Canterbury game had everything. And the, and the correct team won, but that doesn't always happen. But they played the better rugby all year, and they deserved the title. TJ, what the coach was thinking, taking him off, I thought, oh, no, why has he done that? And then, thank God, there was a yellow card, and they can bring him back on. But you just don't take gladiators off nowadays. Like He can play 160 minutes, TJ, no worries at all. He doesn't need to go off. No, mate, but, I, think um, you're, I think you're 100% right, Dean. Hey, listen, thanks for calling through, bud. I uh, really appreciate it. Keep uh, uh, keep the faith, mate, keep the faith. Another text, Roger Twos did it better in the 90s. He had no business running that far for the dive catch on the boundary. Recency bias is a real thing. Thanks, Kyle. Keep your texts coming in. Double eight, double three. This is SENZ. Zed Mornings with Ian Smith. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.29 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for you. Not too far off from the latest in news and sport. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, this one from Jason in Melbourne saying, I think New Zealand rugby should meet with foals from the NZ... I have no idea what that text means, actually. I'm not going to read the rest of that because he's talking a different language, I think. Um, I tried that Superman dive once and landed on my plums. The recoil was not pleasant. Thanks, James. Yeah, I did wonder that. I did wonder when I saw uh, Glenn Phillips at full stretch, I was like, oh, how's he coming down from that? Because if you tuck your knees, you could hurt yourself. You drop the elbows, you could hurt yourself. I don't, yeah, I think he just... Maybe all those 500 press-ups a day he was doing in the CPL have given him iron abs and he just, you know, bounced off the abs, uh, potentially. Yeah, maybe that's what he did. Uh, Coming up on the show before 10 o'clock, Nicole Murray, world champion paracyclist, joins us out of Paris right now, though, time for the latest news in sport with Aroha. You're on SENZ. This is Ricardo Ball in for Ian Smith. And uh, joining us out of uh, Paris Airport is Nicole Murray, our latest two-time world champion, because that happens all the time. Nicole, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure, mate, our pleasure. Thanks for making time. Uh, When you got to Paris, what was your... What was your goal? What what did you and your team think was realistic for you to achieve here? Yeah, well, at this um, track world champs, we all just wanted to... Well, me, I just wanted to um, further my personal best and um, I would be happy if I jumped back on the podium for some of those events. 
um, for Devin Rogers. It was his first track champ, so um, he was just wondering, wanting to give it his best and see what he had. And, um, you know, it turns out he had a couple of medals in him, so that's pretty exciting. Um, Anna Taylor, she's had a bit of a rough year, and to, for her to manage to get on the podium is just amazing, and I'm just so happy for her. Um, and, yeah, the rest of the team was all just looking to, you know, crash, smash their personal best and um, place as high as they can to get some points for um, the Paralympic Games in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, of course, what, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a great dress rehearsal for, a same city, etc. I mean, your PB yeah. <laughs> versus what you achieved here, what, what was the difference for you? Well, I mean, I guess it's hard to um, quantify that in the races that I actually meddled in because they were races against people and not time. Mm. Um, unfortunately, in the time events, I didn't actually beat my personal test, so it's a bit frustrating. But um, I took away a lot of lessons and I'm actually quite, you know, it's given me a lot of fire to get stuck back in some training when I get home. So I'm just going to use that to push myself harder and, um, you know, just tighten the focus on what I need to work on. Um, and for the... The scratch race, um, I was against maybe 12 other competitors and it was um, 40 laps around the track in the velodrome. And um, I think it was just a really good opportunity to uh, learn a little bit more about tactics and learn more about my competitors too because a lot of these girls are going to be at the games as well. So it's just good to learn how they ride, who you want to watch for and who you want to stay away from. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess that's uh, something that, you know, as someone who's not a cyclist, you you think uh, all your training is a lot of road work, a lot of track work, that sort of things. Maybe working on starts, hitting the gym, but tactically, I mean, how how I don't know how that works for you. I mean, is that whiteboard sessions? I mean, how 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 do you figure that stuff out? I guess it's a bit like playing chess out there. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I feel like uh, that's the trickiest thing for anyone to learn, especially if you're based in New Zealand. Um, I'm the only woman's B5 uh, paracyclist in the country, so pretty limited on competition. <laughs> um, but we do our best. We, we race against anyone else who's, you know, able-bodied cyclists and take what we can from those races. Um, there is a little bit of um, whiteboard sessions, as you say. Not not much, but just, you know, sprinkled here and there. Um, we often will uh, look at recorded racing and um, talk about what went wrong, what went right, and... Um, also, just knowing our competitors, if they're um, say two from um, Britain in a race, we'll know that they're likely to work together and talk about um, some of the moves that they might pull to just watch out for and not fall into any traps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you talked uh, um, about the scratch race, obviously, where you, where you won gold, but you also won the gold in the Omnium, that which you've just been talking about, which is a bunch of different disciplines all thrown together. Um mm. Out of that, I mean, you got your, your you know, your two hundred meters, which is basically just a sprint. You got the five hundred meter time trial, the individual pursuit, and the scratch. That's all combined in there. I mean, is is the scratch your strongest yeah. discipline out of those four? <laughs> no, I would have actually said that it's my weakest. I mean, in the past, I don't think I've ever placed anywhere like better than sixth or anything like that. So um, this was quite a shock. But I mean, looking back at the year I've had with all the um, the world opening back up with COVID going away, well, you know, it's not going away, but races being allowed to happen again, it's, it's been a good uh, year for me to just get better at tactics on the road, and that transferred really well to the scratch race on the track, um, especially, you know, getting to know my competitors, as I said, so, um, yeah, that was that was really useful, and it turns out that um, all the road races we've had this year just came in handy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you were at Tokyo as well, right? So, I mean, how much did that experience help you be successful here? It was just the road race at Tokyo was just unlike any race I've ever had. I mean, it was like on on a raceway, you know, so um, the camber of those roads was just so different to anything that you find in a traditional road race. Um, And it was actually pouring with rain, so it was like uh, biking through a bit of a stream. I mean, it was good to, like, you know, learn more th- about my competitors again. Um, and I think it also helped me to just kind of get a little bit braver because that, you know, we hit some of those corners pretty fast and your elbow to elbow with some of the girls. And um, I think that takes a while to build your confidence in. And on the track, it's 43 degrees in the corners. It's quite steep. So being able to hold your nerve is really important when you're in those tricky situations, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned uh, the training and the fitness as well. I mean, the improvement for you on that front, I mean, it's not just how fast you go on the bike, right? But, I mean, if you're physically fit, then mentally you fatigue later. Is is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. I think, yeah, being um, a bit stronger this year, you know, (laughs) progressing, has helped me to keep a clearer head in the scratch race and the road races. And you're not just like hanging on the back of the group, staying in someone's slipstream and just trying to hang on to dear life. You know, you, just, you can um, kind of look at the way the bunch is moving and think about the course ahead of you and you can kind of guess what's going to happen, especially if you know the girls that you're racing with a little bit better. You know who's going to make a breakaway and you don't want to stay close to them <clears throat> so that you can work with them to keep the gap between you and the bunch you've just broken away from. And um, if you do it good enough, you can kind of break the hope of the, the bunch you've broken away from from catching up with you, you know? Yeah. It's, it's quite tricky to explain, but, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, does, you, you mentioned that, you know, the uh, the other races uh, where you, you were aiming for your, to try and beat your PBs, you didn't go as well as you'd hoped, and, you know, the Omnium and the mm-hmm. Scratch weren't something that you expected to, to meddle in. Uh, does that mean... From your point of view, you have to kind of go away and have a little bit of a think about where you actually are best suited, and maybe pivot the way you you the way you train and the way you set up so that come the Paris Olympics uh, that you can medal again in these disciplines. Yeah, I think without making excuses, I can kind of see why I didn't do super well in those events. I unfortunately caught a virus that I just recovered from in time for this competition, so. I think that impacted the timed events because you can't really hide behind tactics when it's just you and the clock. So um, I'm not too worried about that going forward. Like I still took lessons from it just in terms of um, my execution of the 3K pursuit. Like I think I went out a little bit too fast and I would have liked to have been a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Sorry, my brain is, is leaving me. I'm um, <laughs> consistent on those split times. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, in, in that race, the idea is that every lap you go around, the, the coach calls out your, your split, the milliseconds. So I was aiming for um, 18.2 milliseconds split. So he'd call out 8.2, and I was a little bit inconsistent with that. So um, hopefully in the future, um, with a bit more work, I'll, I'll be a look better at executing that all smoother. Yeah, yeah. Now, Nicole, I'm, I'm aware that you uh, you have a gate time uh, rapidly approaching, and you need to you need to get moving uh, so you can actually get home. Yeah. Um, uh, but but what uh, the, between now and uh, now in Paris, uh, what's what's the plan for you, and what's the goal? Mm. 
I think we're definitely going to put a lot of focus into working out a better adaptation for me on the bike. Um, one other good thing to come out of these competitions is you can kind of have a look at what the other girls are using. Um, a lot of the girls in my classification are hand amputees, just like me, yep. and everyone gets pretty creative and kind of forges their own path and what they use to transfer their force into the bike. So um, we, we had a look and we decided we could maybe go back to the garage and um, try and sort something out. So we're going to try and work on that. Um, obviously, just continuing to build stress and um, continue working on my technical experience as well. So um, I'll be racing with some able-bodied athletes and things like that once I get back. And um, yeah, just continuing to keep hitting it hard and working with the team to do our best. Nicole Murray, a double gold medal winning uh, champion at the Worlds. How does how, how, how does that feel? How long is that going to take to sink in, do you think? <laughs> oh, I think, I honestly don't think I'll really let it fully sink in until I can actually see my friends and family. But I think the funny thing about it is you, I, I don't feel how much of a big deal it is until I can see it, like, reflected in someone else's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm obviously super proud. Um, yeah. But I think it will be, it'll be really cool to get home and celebrate with you. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> well, well, we'll let you do that. So you've got, uh, we'll let you go. So you've got time to uh, to hit the duty free properly, so you can celebrate properly when you get home, mate. <laughs> uh, but uh, safe, yeah. ju- safe journey home, and, and thanks very much for your time. Oh no, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thank you. Breaking news, Ricardo. The news ne- never stops around here. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, you've got breaking news. I've got breaking news. So let's hear yours first. Oh, oh, and then we'll uh, decide who's got the better news. Okay, so uh, Auckland Tuatara have na- uh, made a couple of more signings. First, you had the US Major Leaguers last week. Now the Auckland Tuatara baseball team are picking up players from the Asian Major League clubs. The Tuatara have signed Thai- uh, Taiwanese pitchers Hue Shinglin and Wei Chung win for the upcoming ABL season. Lin is a major league pitcher with the LA Dodgers, while Wing plays for the Rakuten Monkeys in the Chinese Pro League. And that season, Ricardo, starts in like just two weeks when they go over to Brisbane to play the Bandits starting November 10th. Of course, right now you've got Steve Mintz and Regan Wood over in Japan doing a whole bunch of scouting at the moment. So it seems like that roster is only getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, how many Kiwis are going to be on that roster? There's a good balance. Like yeah. I know that is a key part and a core uh, belief of the Tuatara system is that they do bring up young players, they have their Pathways program, there is going to be a good amount of Kiwis. So it's, I mean, yes, we keep reporting on the signings from Asia and America, but there will be a good Kiwi core as well. I know that is a big part of their identity. Yeah, right, cool. That's great news, great news. So uh, that roster looking strong. And we start against the Bandits again. I, I remember the opening season for the Tuatara, uh, that opening series was against the Bandits as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Bandits. And then uh, round two is against the Canberra Cavalry. And then finally, round three at North Harbour Stadium from uh, November 24. They'll be home f- uh, hosting the Sydney Blue Sox. Ah, right. Okay. Blue- Sydney could have done better than Blue Sox. That's a rubbish name. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's up there with the Tasmanian Jank Jumpers. is a terrible name in sport. But anyway, uh, my breaking news. Unai Emery, former Arsenal manager. He's been managing at Villarreal in Spain. 
has been named as Stephen Gerrard's replacement at Aston Villa in the English Premier League. Ah, he has a history of Villas, doesn't he? Mm. He's uh, he's managed Sevilla, which has got a Villa in it. He's now managing Aston Villa. He's just finished with Villarreal, and he used to coach David Villa, the Spanish Spanish <laughs> Spanish striker as well. So that's four Villas, which is you know which is more than most. But then when you're on a Premier League salary, you can probably afford four Villas. To be fair. How bad was that dad joke? Uh, I'm working on mine. I'm working on mine. Right. You, you've got years ahead of me, mate. <laughs> exactly. I was doing them before I was a dad, to be fair. Uh, it's 14 away from 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. When we come back, uh, we'll have our, our TAB multi for the day. 76 a.m. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy's multi. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. All right, here we go. Uh, time for the multi. And um, Logan, I know you wanted to do a team multi today, but I fired you and Brian after last week, uh, after Friday. I was the only one that got one right. Everybody else's legs fell over. Yeah, no, that's fair. I wanted to have some fun and maybe take a little bit of pressure off you, but apparently that uh, that completely backfired and you're better off just doing it yourself, mate. <laughs> well, mate, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, it's uh, 24 hours is a long time in sport. We could be having the same conversation tomorrow and it'll be a team effort again because I will have cocked it up. Uh, but this... This is what I this is what I like uh, for today. The uh, the Pats uh, taking on the Chicago Bears. Uh, last two games for the Patriots uh, have been big wins. They uh, they seem to have found some form uh, under Bill Belichick because they struggled earlier in the season, but. They've had a couple of solid wins, a couple of big wins actually, and they're taking on a Chicago Bears side that really does struggle for points. So taking the Pats to win plus uh, minus eight and a half, I should say, which is paying a dollar eighty-seven. You follow your NFL. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, I typically don't rate the Chicago Bears um, at all. I mean, it's not really a matchup I'm looking forward to. I'm, we'll, we'll find out what uh, Jared Cronin has to say when we have him on the show later today. To talk about that, but. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. It's interesting, a minus 8.5 point start. Why did you go for that one? Uh, well, I went that because uh, head-to-head, it was just I didn't think there was enough return. And the Bears, I think, have um, given bookies a bit of pause because they opened with that win in San Fran. And so I think people think they're better than they are at the moment. Um, and that's and so I, th- I thought there was real value in a dollar eighty-seven because I think the last two Patriots games, they've won by, they've won overs both times. So I think eight and a half is, is definitely doable. And I think um, Mac Jones is back today too. So that will definitely help uh, the offense. Uh, and then I'll go to the NBA. Utah Jazz at home against the Houston Rockets who are 0-3 for the season. Uh, Jazz paying a dollar seventy-one. Yeah, not bad, not bad. That's coming from a dollar eighty four when I when I first looked at this this morning. So there are obviously a few people who have thought the same and are getting on it. And then uh, tomorrow in the Champions League, Celtic play Shakhtar Donetsk in Glasgow. These these two teams met in the last round, and uh, it was one all in Poland, where Shakhtar are playing uh, their home games out of at the moment. Neither team has won a Champions League game. I think Celtic haven't won in their last seven, Shakhtar haven't won in their last ten. Uh, so I think a draw in this is pretty good value at 375. So you put all that together, Logan, what does it return? 
uh, you're going to get 11 99 so a good chance there. Yeah, fingers crossed. That comes in. Uh, if it doesn't, no doubt you'll let me know all about it tomorrow. Uh, it's six away from ten. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Coming up 10 o'clock here on SENZ and uh, Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, just the final whistle in the West Ham-Bournemouth game and the Hammers are blowing bubbles. They won 2-0 in that game. So a good win for West Ham and back-to-back losses now for uh, the Hammers as well, which is uh, far from ideal. What it does do to the table is it... Uh, it just moves West Ham away from that. Uh, they had a rough start, didn't they? The Hammers. They had, I mean, they had, a, they had a pretty tough draw, but uh, that win has moved West Ham now up to tenth in the league, and they have gotten United this weekend. Manchester United this weekend. So the uh, top of the table: Arsenal, two points clear of Man City, and then Spurs, Newcastle, Chelsea, and Manchester United make up the top six. Coming up on the show in the next hour, we're going to have a panel with Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman. And we're going to be talking golf as well with Jason Gulasakaram from New Zealand Golf. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past ten here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, Coming up on the show this hour, the panel, Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman are going to join us. We'll also hear from Louis Herman Watt uh, with a Love Racing update as well. And uh, we'll keep you up to date with uh, all the sport that is happening uh, around the world as the results continue to uh, develop and roll in. Our text machine is uh, open as well. If you've got any thoughts that you want to text through to us, you can do double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, temper bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. i tell you who's probably got their feet up in comfort right now. Well, there's a couple of them. Uh, Lydia Ko, Steve Elker, Sam Jones, even Ryan Fox, I would, I would suggest, uh, with another top four. Uh, things are looking pretty rosy for New Zealand golf at the moment. And joining us to talk about that from New Zealand golf is Jason Gulasakaram. G'day, Jason. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, I was actually talking to Greg Alexander, the uh, uh, former New South Wales Australia uh, rugby league player, played here for the Warriors. Obviously, won premierships with the Panthers yesterday as well. He he does a breakfast show out of Sydney uh, for SEN, and he brought up all the Kiwis playing golf before I did. He had been watching Steve Elker and Lydia Go over the weekend, and Ryan Fox. He's more than impressed with the way New Zealand golf's going. Uh, you know, you're doing something right when the Aussies are, are talking to us about how good our golfers are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. We must be doing something right, um, especially uh, as they, um, you know, with their out Bledisloe rivals. So yeah, um, we must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let let's start um, with Lydia Ko, Jason, because uh, another win for her this weekend, her 18th career win in the BMW Ladies Championship. She's now seventh on the all-time money list after banking another half a million on the weekend. Um, she's still only 25. I mean. Really, she could be she could dominate that list if she plays. I, mean, I know she said at one point she wanted to retire at thirty, but we've seen plenty of other athletes say that when they're stupidly young, and then they get to thirty and realise it's not that old. So who knows? I mean, the sky that is really at the limit. It is, it is, and she's um, she's played incredibly well this year. I think 
is obviously her second win of the year after winning um, back in January, and she seems like she's been contending the uh, the entire year. So she keeps up this consistency. I don't see any reason why she uh, can't continue to keep breaking records. Yeah, well, I mean, it's her first, I think it's her first multiple title win season uh, since 2016. So um, that, I think, is significant in itself because, you know, it used to be a bit of a standing joke in New Zealand sport that, um, you know, Lydia Co changed her swing coach about as often as I changed my underpants type thing, you know. But uh, she seems to have settled, <laughs> and, and maybe that is part of why there's, there's some consistency now. Yes, yeah. I mean, she. I mean, in all aspects of her life, she seems pretty happy at the moment. Um, I know she's uh, getting married later this year, um, so yeah, she seems happy both on and off the golf course. And um, all the stuff that she's doing with her swing coach Sean Foley seems to be paying uh, paying a lot of dividends, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, I. I don't understand the mechanics of that necessarily uh, down to the T. Maybe you can talk to us more about that. What do you think it is that uh, she's been trying to work on, trying to achieve with the with her swing coach uh, that maybe is now paying dividends? Uh, I mean, I'm not too sure. It looks as though she's, um, you know, getting back to sort of the the roots that she sort of had when she was, um, you know, a young a young girl um, coming up. So. Yeah, I think probably getting back to a little bit closer to where she's sort of comfortable um, is, is certainly helping. I mean, she looks, I mean, she where she played yesterday, it looked like she was almost a robot out there just mm. hitting fairways and greens and always having, ch- um, you know, putts at birdies. So, yeah, I guess um, whatever that her and Sean are, are working on certainly seems to be paying dividends, but it looks like she's just playing with a lot of freedom out there. So um, well, hopefully that, you know, continues for a long time to come. Well, I mean, that's the other thing with athletes is, you know, they don't really properly grow into their bodies in terms of um, fully strengthened and and everything and filled out until they're probably in their sort of early mid-20s. Um, and, and that's kind of where she is now at 25. So, you know, is it potentially the, the, the issues that she's had previously with swing coaches has been about that developmentally um, with her, uh, you know, the physiology and, and, and the way she's developing um, from a physical point of view with, you know, uh, I, I guess muscle mass, etc. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that'll be probably um, be, be, a, uh, be a factor. I mean, she's also, you know, um, you know, they don't say you're an adult until you're 25 years old as well. So she's probably matured a lot. Um, over the last couple of years and continued learning, you know, more about herself and, and her golf game. So I would say all of that is certainly uh, a factor for sure. From a New Zealand golf point of view, um, you know, how important is she for you guys at New Zealand Golf in terms of, I guess, having cut through? Because, you know, I mean, golf is still seen probably as a, as a sort of... A, a, a men's an older men's game generally speaking I, I I suppose I would say uh from a you know from an everyday player type thing rather than uh, in, in the pro environment does she give you something else a bit of cut through and when she's successful do you see an upturn in in women playing the games particularly at, at a younger age well, yeah she's um hugely important for for golf in this country I think um I mean as you say she's you know a uh, a woman professional at the top of her sport. So, um, you know, any aspiring athlete that, whether it's young people or young women or whoever, just New Zealand golf fans uh, in general, they've, if they've got, you know, an aspiring player to look up to, it makes, you know, them wanting to want to go out on the golf course and um, have a go themselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she's hugely 
important and it's, I think it's very important to have uh, for New Zealand sport fans to have aspiring athletes to, to look up to because I think that um, helps with participation figures um, and I mean right now with all of the aspiring, uh, with all of the top athletes that we've got in golf right now, um, we're seeing you know, record membership statistics and, and playing statistics so um, golf's in a very good spot, um, spot at the moment and I think having you know, people like Lydia and Foxy and, and even now Steve Alka um, is hugely important for our sport. Yeah, I mean, are you, are you noticing the demographic shift as well uh, on those numbers? Yeah, yeah, we've got increasing um, junior golfers um, uh, participating in golf. That's um, which I can't remember uh, when exactly um, we started seeing this increase, but it's been for uh, several years now. Um, and same with women playing the game. We're slowly seeing a uh, an increase in um, women's golf uh, statistics. So, um, yeah, I think Lydia for sure is definitely a, um, a factor in that. You mentioned Steve Elker. Uh, I mean, you know, he should have just started playing when he was 50, shouldn't he? Uh, that seems to be the way. He's, uh, he's had so much success since he's hit the senior tour. He, if, if only he could hold on to a trophy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of um, graft over a pretty long career to get to where he is now, and I think he's just starting to reap the rewards of all his hard work a little bit later in his career. So it's pretty cool for... Um, so, you know, someone who's hit 50 and is now, in, I guess, in the prime of their career. And, you know, he's leading the Charles Schwab Cup and um, he's a defending champion going into the next event uh, before you've got the um, season finale. So he's another one who's, um, yeah, been massively uh, inspiring to um, a lot of our older golfers as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've always had a reasonably... Um Recently, I just saw the video again of of him dropping the the latest trophy. Uh, but on the on the senior tour, we've, we've always had a bit of a bit of success there, and we've got a lot of golfers who kind of um, in the past have sort of maybe struggled to be on the PGA tour full time. But you know, once they get to a certain age, they seem to do all right on the senior tour. Um, if Steve comes back and plays in another tournament here, are you going to make sure that the uh, the trophy is unbreakable. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely make sure that that uh, thing is all intact because uh, he's coming back for the New Zealand Open next year. So um, if he manages to get his hands on that trophy, yeah, we'll make sure he's got a firm grip on it. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Ryan, of course, we should talk about as well. Not too uh, long ago, we had him on the show after uh, he won at the, the Dunhill. And, uh, you know, that was a really... Um, Personally, uh, a really important thing, a win for him uh, meant a lot, obviously, with the, the Shane Warne um, passing away. And it was a tournament that he used to play with Shane quite a lot as well. Uh, you know, I mean, Ryan is obviously the poster boy for, for New Zealand golf at the moment, but even his consistency is uh, seems to be picking up. He's had a, uh, I mean, he was leading at the end of the third, ended up finishing fourth, um, and maybe. He could, uh, you know, his consistency in fourth rounds could be better because he's led a lot of tournaments at the at the third round uh, in the last year or so. But uh, he's getting wins and seems to be picking up that consistency as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had an incredible year this year. Um, you know, I think he's up to what four uh, European Tour events now mm. um, with a couple this year. So, yeah, another incredible year for him. And you know, the more you put yourself. Uh, in positions to to win golf tournaments, the more you're going to uh, get them done. So I'm sure, you know, if he keeps doing it, he's going to continue to have more success. Yeah, I mean that was the thing for Ryan. I mean, he he probably has had 
Um, he's left a few wins out there. I think he'd be the first to tell you that. Um, and I think he feels a little bit unlucky at times with you know some of the putts that guys have drained from as he put it halfway around the world to uh, to tie tournaments that have ended up you know then then having to go to a shootout. So uh, that is obviously a, a work on for him, but and and something mentally he's had to deal with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, golf's a funny sport. Sometimes you need uh, luck to go your way, and he's had you know some luck go against him. But I'm sure if he continues to, as I say, keep putting himself in these positions, uh, some luck will start going his way. And um, I mean, he can only do what he can do. So. I'm sure if he continues playing uh, the golf he's been playing this year, um, we'll see him lift uh, plenty more trophies. Yeah, indeed we will. Now let's talk a bit about Sam Jones, uh, the first amateur to win the Charles Trophy, and he did it on his home course in, in Taranaki. Uh, where to next for Sam, and, and is he likely to turn pro anytime soon? Uh, he hasn't indicated to uh, us when he's going to turn pro, um, if that's anytime soon. I think he's still enjoying... Um, playing amateur golf and um, wants to work his way up the world amateur rankings um, uh, before he, you know, turns professional, um, as that will get him, you know, a few more starts and um, some better stages in, uh, in, in Q school events. Um, but yeah, he's had a, an incredible year winning. He won the Jenny and Holmes Trophy, which is the season-long um, Charles Tour sort of points race, um, much like the FedEx Cup and, and the Charles Schwab Cup. Um, so. First amateur will win that. He's, I think I've got uh, some of his results written down here. He's had like four or five top three finishes with a couple of wins. So um, it's a yeah a remarkable year for um, a golfer who's come back from the states a couple of years ago and just been turning heads ever since. Mm, are you going uh, going all right? He might be even be able to teach his Roll Dagger thing or two. He, he seemed to deal uh, better with that than as he did uh, in, in Queenstown. <laughs> yeah, we felt sorry for um, Izzy, but man, he uh, he handled it well, um, and it looked like he had a lot of fun too. So I think he sort of proved why um, you know he played sport to a top level because if you can handle um, you know shooting a a couple of rounds like that and facing um, you know a bit of a bit of public eye, um, then you know that's a, that's a sort of mental um, uh, mental. What am I trying to say? Mental, um, I guess, uh, attitude that you need to have uh, yeah. to play sport at a to- uh, top level like that. Yeah, you got to be, yeah, you got to be mentally tough, right? Got to be strong and be able to block stuff out, and then and then and then focus on the next thing rather than dwell on what you've just done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, and- he was um, he was incredible for that week. Yeah, that's that's where so many of us fall down, Jason. Where so many of us fall down. Um, I I know that the weakness in my game was pretty much my game, so that's that's why I retired a few years ago. But um, <laughs> Izzy, Izzy is keeping on for all of us, mate. Izzy's keeping on for all of us. Hey, Jason, thanks very much for coming on and chatting golf and what's been a fantastic uh, week or so for New Zealand golf. Uh, keep up the good work uh, at headquarters. Cool. Thank you very much. Cheers. 17 uh, past 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. When we come back, it's the panel, Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman. Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
22 past 10 here on SENZ. It is the panel. Sam Ackerman joins us out of Tauranga. How are you, mate? A very good morning to you, mate. Going great down here. It's been a beautiful weekend at the Bay, so I uh, can't complain. Nice. Good to hear. And Jamie Wall, uh, wherever he is, is Wellington. A- have you come back down from uh, from the moon yet, mate? Uh, you must have been over it on uh, Saturday evening. Yeah, morning, morning, Ricardo. Morning, Sam. Um, I'm still just struggling to even believe that it happened I've just you know spent my life following a team like that it's uh waiting for days like this to happen they're very few and far between but um I'm, I'm very happy I can tell you that much yeah well first first win since 2000 and what really surprised me was given how good that team was around 2000 you know with the the Cullens the Lomus the uh the O'Hallorans all of those guys Dion Waller etc was that yeah it was the first time since 1981 that you've held the shield and been NPC champions at the same time yeah, yeah, really rarefied here uh, as a as a as a Wellington fan. I can I can tell you that much. But I mean, yeah, you talk about how good that team was back in uh, two thousand. I mean, well, every team was good back then because that's back when the All Blacks actually played in the NPC. So I mean, they beat a very good Canterbury team that was stacked full of All Blacks as well in that final. Um, this time around, not so much. Um, but I think that the the current way that the NPC is set up is to be a development um, program for um, for the next generation of players. Uh, Wellington certainly kind of got that brief because that's exactly what that team was. There's a lot of very young, good uh, prospects in that in that team. Guys like Peter Lackey, uh, Riley Higgins, Aidan Morgan, Ruben Love. Um, keep going, but I think the, one of the key things that, that Wellington benefited from, and I, I'm, not, I'm very mindful of the fact that you had John Campbell on yesterday, and um, you know he's he's already given his his thoughts on this, but I can't stress enough how important it was to have the experience of TJ Perinara um, and Julian Savera in that team because they've they've been there and they've done that before, and I think that. If anything is going to, I guess, perhaps get the NPC at least heading back to the direction of what it was when, when we were younger, it would be the retention of of guys like that in there uh, that can can lift the standard of, of the competition. Because what it did to, to a Wellington team that started out the season the same way they always did, by getting, by getting thumped and not giving anyone any real hope, um, has been immense. You know, and and I I think that like, not just as a Wellington fan watching that that competition win, it's just been, just to sort of actually get re-engaged with it again and to really care about it has been really really important. But we can't just rely on the fans of whatever team's doing well every year in order to prop this competition up. And I mean, I think something needs to really start to change if it's going to be sustainable um, in the future. I trust all of Aotearoa is enjoying the commencement of the glorious benevolent rule of Wellington Rugby over all of us. Peace be with you all is what you tweeted, uh, Jamie. Uh, Sam, I don't know how you feel about being, uh, you know, Wellington Rugby ruling all of New Zealand rugby currently. Well, listen, uh, if they want to be in charge of New Zealand rugby in the state it's in, or fair play to them. You can you can have it. Um, good luck to you. Um, we'll live in the, in the glory days of our other provinces. But listen... I am stoked for Wellington. I'm stoked for fans like uh, like Jamie. Some, as you mentioned, it's been long some, some long suffering, and for I think every province outside of Canterbury is pretty happy that you know the result went the way it did. I also need to say this, and I don't mean to rain on on the parade. I talk sports. I'm uh, discussing it every day with a, a range of people on a range of topics, including on platforms like this. This is the single first time all year. 
anyone has asked me about the MPC. Actually, no one's talked to me about it. No one brings it up. Uh, I've brought it up in a couple of conversations, but no one has asked me about it. I've never known a state where people have given less of a toss about this competition, and that pains me because it's not a bad competition, and there aren't, and there is still a lot of pride to be taken out of what can be achieved and done here. But no one has talked to me about it, and I, for me, that that says a lot about where this competition sits currently. And certainly, you know, it's. You know, falls in the shadow behind uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup, which is, you know, if you go back in, back in the uh, annals of, <laughs> of time, that would never have been the case. I'm stoked that it is now that the World Cup is getting the profile that it is, but it's, it's just a recognition of what this stands for right now, and it's a great result. I take nothing away from what Wellington's achieved, and I'm stoked for, uh, for their fans, but it, it's pretty hard to, to see where it sits in realms of, of importance. Well, I mean, that's actually, you brought us onto this topic nicely, Sam. Uh, it's like you just passed that, you know, that, that you're Jason O'Halloran and you just slipped an inside ball and I'm Christian Callan running onto it the way you've you've done that because um, you talk about that. and how you're Christian Callan in this, <laughs> this combination. <laughs> yeah, I'm drawing a very long bow here, just quietly. Um, but uh, the All Blacks uh, schedule has come out and now they played the, the uh, Jamie text, uh, tweeted about this yesterday they play Japan at the same time as the Black Ferns are playing their Rugby World Cup quarter final and can you guess where the uh, CEO of New Zealand Rugby is going to be I mean from an optics point of view Jamie this doesn't look good does it no not at all it, it, it's a very I mean this whole week is a bit a bit strange um, there's only I think one New Zealand media representative up in Tokyo with the team um, to 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 kind of uh, you know report back on it, which is very a very strange situation for an All Blacks um, away fixture, uh, and it's clearly being done to you know fulfil a lot of sponsors' um, obligations up there. We noticed there was Japanese media down um, during the Bledisloe Cup series to um, to you know start drumming up. You know, obviously they get a massive massive amount of interest up there uh, and that's totally understandable and everything um, but why this game is being played um, when New Zealand Rugby uh, knew full well that the likely quarterfinal like because really like the Blackfins were always going to win all their pool games and the the likely quarterfinal was going to be um, at 7 o'clock on, on Saturday night uh, or 7.30 on Saturday night when the, when the All Blacks um, would be in Japan, why they arrange for a game to be played in Tokyo that would kick off at 7 o'clock New Zealand time is, is really weird. Like, I don't understand how this... Uh, it, it's as if they've kind of written off the New Zealand fan base kind of entirely. And there's a, been a couple of other... Uh, decisions as well that have been made that, that kind of point to that, that, that really like there's not much thought's been going into, you know, actually New Zealanders um, supporting these teams because we've got the the All Blacks 15, this team that still really doesn't have an identity or, or a very clear purpose um, playing not only on the same same day as the All Blacks but exactly the same time um, so I, I just I, I just can't get it through my head like as to what, what's going on here because why you would expect 60,000 people to show up to watch the fake All Blacks play in London when the real All Blacks are playing at exactly the same time? Like, who are they trying to sucker in here? And then, of course, we've got next year, we've got um, an All Blacks and Springboks test being played in London. Uh, so it's like they've just completely um, 
you know, given up or any any pretense of of of, of, of trying to uh, even look like the they care about um, New Zealand fans at all and, and what we what we're trying to get out of it. So it's 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 a really strange situation. It is, and Sam. I mean, I, I guess the other thing is we're hosting a rugby World Cup here at the moment, and yet the CEO is going to be at some test that's probably the the least of all the All Black tests of the year. He's not even going to be here for the Black Ferns quarterfinal because he's going to be what waltzing it up to Japan for a, a second tier matchup. Look, my my thoughts on it, my presumption on it will be the um, def- said defence will be the you know the the, the semi final and final will be attended. So he's trying to make sure that the All Blacks got some love along the way, and it wasn't you know it's a bit of both. But seriously, it, not a smart move. But Jamie's spelled it out. This is a commercial arrangement, and I have no problems with the All, All Blacks playing commercial arrange, um, arranged games. I had a problem with it. The first decade and a bit, but I'm I'm withered by it now. I'm I, I'm I've I've built an immunity. It's it's part of what it is. And they look, everyone ha- did it tough over the last few years. Even the All Blacks, even New Zealand rugby did it tough over that period of not being able to get the same kind of gates and opportunities and matches. So I have no problem with organisations where they can doing a, a bit to um, get some back. It doesn't cost us the New Zealand you know, viewers who go to game want to pay tickets. Uh, to games, this game does not cost us anything further. So, go right ahead, but please don't play into the importance of it. I mean, and uh, look, are the are the people who go on to the, in that test that st- are standing on the field are they not the All Blacks fifteen? Is it, are they not allowed to be referred to as that because there's a uh, as Jamie called it the uh, the B teams playing the fake All Blacks are playing uh, at the same time and they are the All Blacks like are they going to play with a player less to be the All Blacks fourteen? I don't understand. They can go down to All Blacks thirteen and they suddenly get to the right number that should be on a field and play play in sets of six. So if, if they really want to progress, that's probably the way forward. Yeah, I've, I I hear you. I hear what you're doing there, Sam. This is the panel on SENZ. When we come back. Uh, Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman will continue. And no doubt Jamie's got something to throw back at that right now, though it's the latest in news and sport from Aroha. Big opinions, the panel. It is 25 away from 11 here on SCNZ, and uh, we are in the middle of a Rugby League World Cup, as uh, I'm sure both Jamie and Sam are aware. Tonga versus Wales this morning. The Kiwis play Ireland on Saturday. Um... We've had a few big scores, a few blowout scores at this tournament. Um, Sam, did detractors of like the Minnow Nations miss the point of what this tournament or tournaments in general are about, World Cups? Well, it's uh, it, what it amazes me just as equally, Ricardo, is that people are like, oh, well, you know, New Zealand only put 68 in Jamaica, whereas Australia scored 84 in their... Come on, are we seriously thinking that the the score lines within a blowout are important as well? I don't know. It's, it's sometimes I feel like people have never watched a World Cup of any sport when they make comments like this because what happens in this stage is part of the World Cup. It's the pomp and ceremony where teams that you'd never normally play get a chance to play against them. And yes, the lopsidedness does show that International Rugby League still has, in the global context, a long way to go. But it also shows there are more teams capable of putting other teams through a blowout, as in again closer to that top level, than there has been in rugby league in a very long time. I mean, Tonga should be able to put a side like Wales away by a huge amount. Wales put in a really brave effort, and Wales are a brave side. A lot of these teams will punch above their weight as far as giving them um, all right to the end. If you saw the Jamaican game, 
New Zealand was just streets ahead. A couple of tries were literally uncontested when there was six Jamaicans in front of them. Couldn't get a hand on these players, and it wasn't through immense lack of uh, skill on the uh, on the on the side of New Zealand. It's that Jamaica are not in the league, and they shouldn't be. But it's their first World Cup, and if you saw the moment that they scored that try when they were down sixty-eight nil, scored their first World Cup try. That's a special scene. Those are moments that only World Cups can provide along the way. Yep, there's blowouts, but would people rather we just made a six-team tournament and say, right, you guys can play to be best in the world through that? Because we do that with a lot of other tournaments, and people then decry it for not being international enough. So, yes, putting the minnows through their paces can get a little tedious through the way, but it, it creates opportunities. It gives teams an identity, and it gives players who aren't going to play for that top level or aren't currently playing at that top level a chance to be involved as well. It helps to grow players through a, uh, a system that wouldn't be there otherwise. It helps NRL players get stronger. It's certainly the 2000 World Cup in particular, I think of, played a huge role in the rebirth of the Warriors since so many of those players were in those squads and then came together for the really, you know, the reformed um, Eric Watson and Daniel Anderson coach team. So these things have a big knock-on effect and they are slow, steady progress. We're going to see things different in the semi-finals, I think, in the quarter-finals. I think it'll uh, step up a notch. But that's no different than the Women's Rugby World Cup, Men's Rugby World Cup, or any other, even football, where it's the global game and there is so much strength across it. There are teams that are there to not necessarily make up the numbers, but making it was the achievement in itself. And that's what World Cups contain. So they haven't kicked. The message went across. Don't kick before the last. They've got a result. They've got a result. It's there for Jamaica! Yes! Have a look at the reaction! Yeah, they can get better. They will need to get better. But it's still a convincing scoreline. Now that outlines what uh, you're talking about there, Sam. Uh, the Jamaicans scoring that try. And Jamie, you know, it's not a it's not a Rugby League World Cup issue, is it? I mean, we can look to the last Rugby World Cup and see Scotland beating Russia 61-0 and New Zealand beating Canada 63-0 and, you know, putting 71 points on Namibia. So, you know, these countries that, uh, that, that want to make a World Cup, I mean, that is their World Cup getting there. And it's the only way, if you want to make your game global, to grow the global game is to give club uh, countries the opportunity to play at this level. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and Sam's, Sam's right. I mean, it's it, they've got to start somewhere, right? And Jamaica have have started. You know, they they didn't uh, score a try in their first game. And they probably set themselves a goal. Well, let's get let's get one in the next game, and then those building blocks are going to get to a point where you're like, well, we're going to get to a competitive game where we've got a really good chance, and we're going to try and win win this game. Um, that's just the way it goes when you're in a team that's uh, a bit more shorthanded than the, the sort of teams you're playing against. And and yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, I mean, you, you, I, I feel like everything is kind of judged off the football World Cup, in which you have football as a sport is just by nature close. You know, like you can, it lends itself to at least maybe not so much upsets, but at least the scorelines not being, you know, complete blowouts because three uh, nil, a good team, Brazil beating uh, New Zealand three nil doesn't actually look as bad as you know, 84-0 in a, in a rugby league game. Um, and saying that, though, you know, there are still massive scores in, in, in football World Cups. You know, we've, we've seen we've seen them. So that, you're right. It, that is just the nature of, of the way tournaments are. Um, and assessing the relative strengths and weaknesses of, of these games across across the world. And, you know, this is nothing new for Rugby League World Cup. Um, it's nothing new for the Women's Rugby World Cup that's happening at the at the moment as well. I mean, you can look at all those games and go like, well, 
is there any point in the Blackfins even starting the tournament until the semi-finals? Um, but uh, I feel like International Rugby League is a bit of a punching bag, a bit of an easy one um, for detractors of the game because of uh, you know the way the game is spread out and the comparative kind of lack of money they have to play with uh, when it comes to promoting these things. And then when it gets to the this stage of the tournament, you get these blowouts. So I think it's a bit of a broken record to be talking about it. I personally like seeing these these, these sort of games. I really like um, seeing Jamaica there. Um, if nothing else, they have cool uniforms that you get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to see the likes of um, Mitchell Moses, uh, et cetera, turning out for, for you know, countries of their heritage, which is actually really cool. I really like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's just I think the the thing that they need to do now uh, to progress the game is that Mitchell Moses plays for Lebanon, so that at the next World Cup, uh, when Daly Cherry Evans is probably retired, he doesn't get selected for the Kangaroos, or you know, a player that stands out for Scotland or Ireland at this World Cup doesn't then get selected for England at the next World Cup. They need to be able to build those squads, but uh, that needs a proper international program, and that is a whole another conversation. Uh, sticking with rugby league, uh, just quickly, it looks like Anthony Seabold is going to be the new Manly coach. Uh, Shane Flanagan, it uh, looks like he's going to come back to coaching as well. He's signed a deal, apparently, for three years as an assistant to Seabold with a clause that allows him to leave after 12 months to become a head coach somewhere else. Uh, call me a cynic, Sam, but I don't see Flanagan as an assistant working particularly well, and I, I doubt he'll see out 12 months as an assistant given the pressure on the likes of Hook Griffin and, and, and Justin Holbrook. Not to mention that Anthony Seabold and contracts don't, you know, they don't work, walk hand in hand. I don't think he's finished one of his either. So I, I don't take put too much into it. I, 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 I would don't want to be you know, negative about it for the sake of it. I just can't see it working. Um, it's a club that's, uh, you know, one that I've followed my entire rugby league life, and it's a one that I'm, you know, I, I hate seeing in the state that they are, and I many enjoy it, but they are a, a team that's dysfunctional right now, uh, built through factions, uh, and uh, you know, Des Hasler brings a type of loyalty from a section of his players that is almost cult-like as well. So going in after that is going to be an absolute mess with someone like Seabold. Uh, and look, Flanagan having a, um, that clause is not uncommon to a, a ton of coaches. I mean, if you look at the new coaches from, well, the coaching setup, I should say, from the, uh, the Panthers uh, this year that won the Premiership, two of the assistant coaches, now head coaches at other clubs, including Andrew Webster coming to the Warriors. So, and Kevin Serrano has gone over to the Dogs. So it's a, it's a situation where assistant coaches, if they get a head coach opportunity, are generally told, yep, go ahead, it's too good an opportunity, can't hold you back. So that part I don't read into. But yeah, I, I, again, I, I can't imagine Shane Flanagan sitting around as an assistant coach for three years. I'd think if he doesn't go to another club, he'll likely take over at Manly when Seabold gets given the axe. Yeah, well, that's always a possibility. And, Jamie, what does that mean, do you think, uh, for England? Uh, because Seabold is their defence coach. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be able to do both jobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess Michael Check is kind of proving that theory a little bit wrong at the moment. I mean, he's in line to be coaching, I think, um, Lebanon and Argentina on the same day, mm. uh, <laughs> coming up pretty soon. Um so uh, I think that the what Sam alluded to was that the landscape of coaching um, in the NRL, at least, is very fluid. 
uh, right now. Um, you can you can pretty much just c- come out and see that w- what's what's happening here is this is being used. Flanagan's using this as a stepping stone to get somewhere else, which obviously the players have have been doing, and it's becoming. Uh, just more and more shameless um, over the years, and the Warriors fans know that um, too well. Uh, in terms of the English rugby rugby team, I mean, he must be walking away from a pretty decent um, pay packet because uh, you know they they would pay pretty well over there. So I I, I feel like yeah, like like Sam led to um, Seabold never seen out of contract. This is a, this is another one. So I can't. It's uh, obviously they they they. Walked into that with their with their eyes open, knowing what they were going to get get out of this bloke. Um, but I'm sure Eddie Jones has got some sort of contingency plan up his sleeve. And Scott Robertson, uh, looking forward to getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I didn't want to. I don't want to say it out too loud, but um, that is that is probably what what might, what might happen there. So looking forward to getting up north and um, finding that getting on the ground and finding out that out for myself. Yeah, indeed. All right, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for being on the panel today. Great to chat to both of you as always. And uh, uh, Jamie, keep riding that wave. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Appreciate it. Go well, boys. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, this is SENZ. Quarter away from 11 when we come back. It's a Love Racing update with Louis Herman Watt. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 10 away from 11 here on SENZ. Uh, mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, this text has come through on double eight double three. Ricardo Fulham looked to have made two of the more effective new signings in Pereira and Palahino. A uh, well-balanced team who look like they may well stay up. Cheers, JD. Yeah, good point, JD. I mean, Fulham were a lot of people's favourite to be uh, bottom of the league this season um, based on their history and, and based on what they'd done in the transfer window. But Andreas Pereira, particularly a uh, former United player who then went back to Brazil and played for Flamengo uh, he looks an, uh, a different player at Fulham and the way that uh, Silva's got him playing so yeah a couple of great pickups and Fulham doing very well particularly that win against Leeds yesterday 3-2 away at Allen Roads one of the tough uh, road games in the league uh, that is a great three points for Fulham and I think they'll they'll safely stay up now they've got 18 points they sit ahead of Liverpool in the Premier League table at the moment, JD. So yeah, a couple of good signings from them. When we come back here on SENZ, we're going to hear from Louis Herman Watt. We're going to be talking love racing. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Four away from 11, Louis Herman Watt joins us. And Louis, I'm imagining today is all about Animo and the Cox Plate. Uh, yeah, well, we've had a couple of days to really revel in it, um, Ricardo. And what a performance it was. Personally, I think he's a champion horse. I think he's seven-time Group 1 winner now. He just wins when he has to. He is always one on grand final day. He's done everything that James Cummings and Godolphin and James McDonald have ever asked of him, and I really do believe he's a champion horse. And I know there's been lots of speculation made about, oh, if you reverse the draws this, if you reverse the draws that, but all I can say is he's a marvellous horse. The facts are he's won seven times, seven group ones. He ran second, probably should have won the, the Cox Plate last year, and he's won it this year. And he jumps, he's got tactical speed, he puts himself in the race, and it was just the most perfect ride by James McDonald as well. Yeah, he seems the like. The other one we should shout out, Rick Dog, is uh, Graham Rogerson, Debbie Rogerson, Team Rogerson, 
sharp and smart. The New Zealanders snagging the Group 1 champion stakes uh, up there in uh, uh, Sydney. And, and what a fantastic job they've done with this horse. I've had a huge opinion of him, but getting him to stay over that distance, the 2,000 metres, and then they're going to back him up into the derby this week in 2,500. He did that three wide, the trip, no cover, into the wheeze, into the breeze, punching the wind the whole time, and he just kept finding what a tough horse. And look, winning Group Ones in Australia is so hard to do. And Rodgy, Debbie, um, they did it. They managed to get one. So congratulations, another one for them. That's such an awesome story, and I can't wait to see him go head to head with Mr. Maestro on the Derby this weekend at Flemington. What an occasion that will be. The Kiwis have a mortgage on the VRC Derby. How good is that? Mate, too good, too good. Have you have you talked Hutchie into letting you do the uh, breakfast show from Melbourne uh, in about a week's time yet? I think that was Kempi's fight to battle to fight. <laughs> I don't want to upset the apple cart, mate. Just, uh, I'll just do what I'm told, go where I'm told. I actually think we're going up to Whangarei on Friday to do the uh, black to preview the Black Ferns game up there. So that should be a bit of fun from the chemist warehouse up there. Yeah, no, that'll be good, mate. That'll be good. Well, yeah, you're closer to Australia and Whangarei. Maybe you just keep going north until uh, you know the first weekend and uh, the first Tuesday in November. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Or at the very least, maybe we could just go do some laps around Ruakaka. Yeah, there you go, mate. That, that's that's what you want. That's what you want, mate. Imitate some greats of the turf. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Louis, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Go well. Cheers, Rick. Bye. Uh, Louis Herman, what they're uh, part of, of course, uh, the breakfast show here. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. They'll be back from 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. From 11 o'clock after the latest in news and sport, Gerard Cronin talking NFL. We'll also have a t- uh, stumped. You could win a $50 TAB bonus bet. All of that coming between now and midday. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sell the team. That were the chance. Uh, those were the chance at Washington, as the Washington Commanders fans demanded that their team owner sells the team. He's a he's an owner that has been surrounded by controversy. Uh, controversy. I think it's fair to say, uh, Gerard. And the only reason he's still there probably is because the uh, Broncos owners decided to sell up last year. Otherwise, I think there's a good chance the NFL might have just taken it off him last year and sold it themselves. Tell you what, he's a crafty wee man, old Dan Snyder. He is—he's a bit like the uh, the better call Saul of the NFL. Uh, he, he's finding all sorts of uh, you know uh, dirt on uh, on other owners and, and whatever stuff that they've been up to. So he's he's basically waging war against uh, uh, some of the other owners if they decide to try and you know push him out. So uh, yeah, be interesting to watch, see how that goes. But to be fair, we're we're about three years down the track and. Everyone is basically sitting here wondering how on earth Dan Snyder is still able to do what he does. It's, it's it just lacks any sort of logic in this day and age. Well, am I right in thinking that he has had several um, uh, harassment com- uh, complaints against him, um, pretty much covered up by the NFL over the years, and uh, and now it's all sort of starting to come to a head. Is is that part of the problem? Yeah, there's been a lot of allegations over a number of years from a number of different people. Uh, I think at one point there was an entire uh, cheerleading squad um, 
pressing um, sort of uh, charges or, or you know complaints against Dan and and the organisation itself. So uh, it does definitely go back quite a way, uh, and it is it's really sad, I guess, that uh, it's taken so long for you know for things to really come up and actually start getting to the point where you know there might actually be some movement on this issue. Uh, but you know it's the NFL. We don't really know anything these days. It's all uh, all upside down. So uh, whatever is going to happen will happen. Well, I've been talking to Logan about this a bit um, in the last few days because I mean it feels like, and I get it from an NFL point of view, right? It's uh, it's the basis of of economics of supply and demand. You don't want to have too many teams available for sale because then the value of those teams comes down. And when the Broncos owners decided to get out last year, they had to kind of let that sit. So there was one team on the market, but I'm pretty sure that not only the commanders, but potentially even the Dolphins are, uh, owners are owners that the NFL are looking at that they'd rather not have in the sport at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Stephen Ross of the Dolphins, he's had a few uh, shady dealings, which has cost his team uh, first round draft pick, among other things, uh, next year. Uh, and he, you know, just happily sitting away watching his game, or watching his team play yesterday afternoon. It was like, okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, it's funny how things just, you know, continue to roll, but uh, I would be, yeah, I'd be very surprised if Dan Snyder can stick around for you know, a heck of a lot longer. I know there's a lot of things to to organize in terms of actually getting rid of an owner, not quite like getting rid of a player. You can't trade him away for a couple of draft picks or something like that. But um, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting situation to watch it unfold because really the commanders, they're, they're trying to, you know, have a rebirth at their club. Uh, they've gone for a couple of years where they were called the uh, the Washington Football Team, really inspiring name there. Uh, and then, and then uh, of course, that was the the follow on from the uh, the the earlier version of uh, the name Redskins, which has been shelved. Um, and now they've you know decided to go this year with the Commanders, and just a lot of how they go about things just doesn't really tend to go that well with fans. Uh, no one's really sold on the name or, or the look or or now, you know, especially the owner as well. So uh, a lot of things going on and inside that entire organization, which just need a, a real good look at and, uh, you know, maybe a, a big clean out of sorts or in terms of how you can do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one for the NFL given, you know, it's so many millions of dollars and there's, you know, I know there are a lot of millionaires in America, but the millionaires that want to own NFL teams is the question, um, and who are able to do it, and then maybe pass. I don't know if they have a a fit and proper owners test. Maybe that's something they need to bring in. But um, that the, they've got a few issues in front of them there before they really clean house. Uh, someone called Jay Z, mate. Someone called Jay Z. He doesn't own enough sports teams. He can. Uh, he yeah, that's one. true. Yeah, Jay, <laughs> uh, who do you think Jay Z would want to buy? I mean, I don't even know where Jay Z's from. Where's where's, I, where's where's he from originally? Yeah, he's a New York boy, so he'd be all about either the Giants or the Jets. I'd probably have a guess at the Giants for, for no real reason whatsoever. Yeah, okay. All right, <laughs> so maybe Jay-Z to be the next owner of the Giants. Hey, uh, a player that you know a bit about being uh, a tragic Atlanta Falcons fan who got touched up by the Bengals this weekend. Oof, um, we're doing this, are we? We're doing this, we're doing this. We are doing this. Uh, but Matt Ryan, who's no longer with the Falcons, uh, he he's at the Colts this season. He, at seven starts, he's had 11. Seven fumbles and nine interceptions, and word is now that he is going to be benched for the rest of the season. Uh, seems, I mean, I know he hasn't played particularly well, but that uh, offensive line of of the Colts probably does need a bit of work. I mean, I, I thought that they've they've shown really uh, promising signs the Colts this season with with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Are you surprised at this news? Look, I'm actually not, to be honest. Uh, it's it's a funny one with Matt Ryan. 
got a lot of respect for Matt and what he did with the Falcons. He had obviously an MVP season, came within a whisker of winning a Super Bowl for the franchise. Um, but uh, to be honest, over the past few years, his play, it, it really it got to a point where it just wasn't manageable in Atlanta. So that when they traded him away last year for really next to nothing, they traded him to the Colts for something like a third round pick. And I was actually happy to see him go. Um, I actually felt it was time for change. Um, and I felt like Matt was, I don't know, he, he just, for me, when he was operating behind an offensive line that it wasn't rock solid on protection, he just had the mobility of a 1980s vacuum cleaner and he just couldn't escape pressure. The The pressure would come on him, the pass rushes would come at him and he'd sort of see them coming at him and lots of times he'd actually just take a knee, just sit down and, and, and accept the sack instead of trying to escape and, and, and throw the ball downfield. So I can actually understand a lot of the problems that the Colts are having this year. I actually liked to think that they might do better with Matt Ryan because of their setup, their better offensive line in theory, uh, their better running game in theory, and their better defense in theory. But uh, none of that has really panned out for them. So uh, in terms of what Matt Ryan is actually putting out, I, I sort of look on uh, a bit like a, a jilted ex just going, ah, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the problems that we had before, you know? <laughs> right, I'm with you. So what you're saying is that when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, he was still more forward-thinking than Matt Ryan. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Someone tell Matt Ryan to take the knee off the field rather than on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. <laughs> hey, I saw a tweet today. I don't know if, you, if you've seen it, and it, it did make me laugh, but it was a picture of Michael Jordan in a Wizards singlet and Shaq in a Celtic <laughs> singlet, and it just had Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers right now written across the top. Um, I did see that one. <laughs> two celebrated quarterbacks, of course, uh, both struggling. I mean, Tom Brady's Bucks. Uh, you know, only three points this weekend. They got beaten by a Panthers team who were one and five going into the game. Uh, Green Bay have now lost three on the bounce. They're three and four and and, and lagging behind the Vikings uh, in the NFC North. What is going on, mate? Are we are we finally seeing a changing of the guard here? Well, look, it's been a really troubling sort of period for for Tom Brady personally. He's had a lot of things going on in his life, which have, have definitely uh, not gone the way that he is accustomed to. He's, he's a man used to succeeding and doing well in, in whatever he does. Uh, I remember watching the, um, the the Man in the Arena series uh, last year and, and thinking, you know, this is a guy who he seems to have, you know, everything under control. But, uh, you know, as, as it turns out, you know, life is a funny old game and um, things don't often uh, go exactly how you planned. And it's now actually, you know, filtering out to, to, to the football team as well. Let's not forget that the Buccaneers, they had a, a change of head coach this year. They brought in Todd Bowles following the retirement of Bruce Arians. Now, that, that's a big change. I know that Todd Bowles was actually part of the setup as the defensive coach uh, previously, but being the head guy, that, that's a completely different ball game. So uh, him coming in and assuming the role, a big changeover. Personnel-wise, they, they kept a lot of things solid, albeit that they did have a lot of problems on the offensive line through either guys leaving through free agency uh, and a few injuries picked up along the way as well. So the offensive line have been underperforming. Uh, the week before, Tom had been actually giving them a good spray for uh, what they were doing or not doing for him. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just bubbling away a little bit over there in Tampa Bay at the moment. So that things are not clicking. Uh, they do still have a lot of firepower. Obviously, the highlight from that Panthers game was the uh, Mike Evans drop where he was wide wide open like he was as about as wide open as you could possibly ever get uh, and dropped the ball on his way to uh, what would have been a touchdown and that just set the tone 
for them. Um, and and yeah, they they took a they took a knee against the uh, the lowly Panthers, who had you know the previous week that gotten rid of their coach, thrown away their running back, and, and also got rid of a wide receiver. So it turns out that uh, they can actually do a little bit better without those pieces in their camp. Uh, but the Buccaneers, they will be, they'll be pretty, I wouldn't say downcast. I think they'll be probably more frustrated. That seems like more Tom's uh, method operandi. Um, he's, he's, he's the guy who will fire them up and say, hey, let's get this going. Don't forget, a couple of years ago, Heading into the bye round around mid-season, they were actually looking pretty scratchy. So after the bye, a few things just came right and they started to click and, hey, presto, they were on their way to winning the Super Bowl. But not saying that's going to happen this year, but uh, they they do have the ability to get back to a high level. So I'd expect them to, to, to bounce back at some stage hoping they don't because uh, the Atlanta Falcons are in the same division. But, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with those bucks. Yeah, well, it seems like NFC South has become NFC East, hasn't it? They've taken on that, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the team leading the uh, the division is three and four, losing record. Uh, what about the NFC West? The Seattle Seahawks lead that four and three over the Rams, who are three and three. The 49ers are three and four, and the Cardinals are three and four. That looked like a stacked division at the beginning of the season. And I think we talked about it and thought they've lost Russell Wilson. The Seahawks have blown everything up. They're going to start again. They're in rebuild mode. They'll they'll probably be the one team in the NFC West we won't see postseason. Um, what's happening? Yeah, good question. Uh, actually, a few of the analysts on the um, the Fox coverage from the states yesterday they were asking the same question. They were like, well, "How do we actually figure out this whole NFL thing?" And they've been watching the game for fifty years. So uh, yeah, it's a, a little bit of a surprise what the Seahawks are doing, sitting at four and three. Good effort. They had a good win against the Chargers yesterday, which I fully expected to go the other way. Uh, but to be fair, the the Seahawks just they did what they needed to do. They they completed passes from quarterback Geno Smith. He's not setting the world on fire, but that's not really what he has to do. They're playing solid ground game with a rookie running back going well, Kenneth Walker, uh, and and the defense is making plays as well. They were making the the Chargers' offense actually look fairly ordinary. So I'm not sure if that was maybe a mixture of the charges offense actually being fairly ordinary but um but yeah they're, they're actually they're doing well they're overachieving at this point um what i would look at as well though uh just a couple of interesting things that uh the 49ers before they were beaten this week against the chiefs they were actually starting to come right and find their groove um and i feel as though that may be coming i feel as though that they can kick into gear so they're sitting at three and four as are the arizona cardinals who just welcomed back the guy named deshaun hopkins and all of a sudden their offense looks like a completely different team. He made that much of a difference for the side coming in, uh, making a million catches and getting a bunch of yards, and also at points just calming quarterback Kyler Murray down. So I'm actually looking at those two teams, even though they're sitting at three and four uh, on the <laughs> on positions in the in the division, but also three and four on their records. I think that they could start getting something going. Uh, the Rams, of course, this week have had a bye, so they're sitting at three and three. No one quite knows exactly what's going on with them, um, especially uh, your producer Logan Swinkles. Um, so yeah, that that's that's a real up in the air type of. Um, division there and I think that that could actually get quite close as the season rolls on Yeah Logan, uh, I didn't realise as a proponent of sign language he, <laughs> he made a sign in your direction when you said that there we go. Um, I'm, I'm keen to cut him off <laughs> In the call A <laughs> couple of other things mate, uh, Patrick Mahomes um, yesterday for the Chiefs I mean that game went back and forth with the Niners in the end though, 423 passing yards 
in that game the most that the 49ers have conceded since a peak Aaron Rodgers back in 2018. Um, we talk about the Rams, so we're not sure what they're what, what's going on there. But are, are the Chiefs back? Are, are the Chiefs going to be uh, Super Bowl contenders now? Oh, absolutely. I still think they're right in the mix. Uh, obviously, they were beaten last week against the Bills, who are a very good side as well. So I think the Chiefs and the Bills are going to be, you know, running into each other at some stage as we head to the pointy end of the season. The Chiefs played well, putting up 44 points against that 49ers defense. That's a really good effort. Uh, a, a few massive plays, especially in the second half, where they got into third and long situations. I'm talking third and 15, third and 20. And they're actually actually able to make big plays on those, which which made a huge difference. All of a sudden, instead of punting the ball away, you're marching upfield and getting yourselves some points. So uh, those kind of plays, it just seems to be a, a Patrick Mahomes thing. You know, he gets in the third and long, and all of a sudden he just gets out his magic wand and whoop, makes a bit of magic happen. So um, I'd be disappointed as a 49ers fan because there they were. They were at home, and they were welcoming the Chiefs in who'd been beaten the previous week. Uh, the 49ers had just done a blockbuster trade for Christian McCaffrey, the star running back, brought him into the stables, and he actually played pretty well, um, given a, a limited sort of uh, preparation within the team. So they'll look to get cooking. But, um, yeah, I was disappointed with the 49ers' defense in terms of they, they weren't able to hold the Chiefs as much as they, they should have been able to based on previous weeks. I know that uh, Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa, the, the defensive end, was coming back from injury, and people were asking what – level he was working at what percentage of uh, ability he was able to go uh, but yeah they'll be disappointed they weren't able to you know shut down the Chiefs sure you've got to score more than 23 points on offense but you've also got to restrict the Chiefs to less than 44 on <laughs> on the other side of the ball because uh, if you let them do that then they're likely to take you to the cleaners yeah yeah indeed they are now uh today we've got the the pats up against the bears I have taken the pats minus eight and a half at a dollar 87 um what do you think, mate? How do you think this is going to play out? Mac Jones is is back starting after that high ankle sprain, but I mean Bailey Zappi's been pretty a pretty good backup. Yeah, a little bit disappointed actually for Bailey Zappi. I was quite enjoying watching what he was able to do in a number of ways. He was able to be a little bit more free with what he was doing than Mac Jones. Maybe it was just the lack of expectation on him or, or whatnot. But uh, but that, he's done a, a very good job for them as a a relief pitcher of sorts. Of course, they get Mac Jones back today, and you know uh, they'll be happy about that. I would tend to think that it would be a very defensively uh, orientated game this one today. Uh, both the the Patriots and the Bears have they've got stellar defenses and maybe less than stellar offenses. So uh, I would expect it to be a like bashing a couple of bricks together for, for quite a while for uh, for a long period of the game. But um, I would expect overall that. Bill Belichick, he has a good way of, of getting his team, especially his defense, to just really make quarterbacks and, and coaches on the opposition that, that if they don't know exactly what they're doing out there, uh, they can be really shown up by Bill and his, and his Pats. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I look at the Pats the last couple of games, and, and I know we've got a different quarterback in because uh, uh, um, Mac is back in, but 29 points on Detroit, 29 points to zip, 38-15 over the Browns. They certainly seem to be finding their offensive feet a bit, the Pats, or are they just playing teams with rubbish defence? <laughs> uh, maybe a little from column A and column B, perhaps. Um, yeah, look, they've they've, they've done, done what they need to do. Uh, they know who they are as a football team, which is a good 
a good start because they're not going to go out there and you know set the world on fire with you know six passing touchdowns like you're a Kansas City or a Buffalo Bills type team. They're more of a you know stout defense, play solid run game, and just make make plays and generally the short passing game from the quarterback position. So that's exactly what they've been doing for about the past twenty plus years, and it's worked pretty well for them so they're 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 doing that they know their identity they know exactly what they want to do that's why bill belichick never really seems to stress about too much about things like oh who's going to be your offensive coordinator blah 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 (laughs) ordinarily for other teams that'd be you know having kittens in those kind of scenarios but bill's like you know you know what we got all under control we know exactly what we're doing so uh if they can just go out there and just pound it a bit uh and just really make life difficult for justin fields the the quarterback of the bears um, they could, yeah, they, it could it could be a bit of a blowout, to be fair, but uh, you never know. <laughs> this is the NFL, and uh, frankly, uh, making any bet is uh, is really fraught with huge risk. Yeah, well, the Bears did beat the Niners first game of the season. I do I do remember that. I do remember that. And, you know, and if you're Bill Belichick, I guess you, you can afford to send your offensive coordinator on loan to the Detroit Lions or the Chicago Bears for a year or two because, you know, you're going to get them back. That's right, like a boomerang. Like a boomerang, uh... (laughs) like a boomerang. Good stuff, Gerard. Thanks for coming on, mate. Go well, and we'll uh, catch up soon. Enjoy that Pats Bears game today. Awesome, sounds good, mate. Let's get some football. Let's get some football indeed. It is 11.22 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Before 12 o'clock, we will have another stumped for you $50 TAB voucher up for grabs. In the meantime, keep your texts coming through, double eight, double three. We'll get to some of those next. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.27 on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him. Uh, Ricardo, your thoughts on Sri Lanka paying $4.80 to beat Australia in the T20 uh, tomorrow. Now, that game starts at midday tomorrow. And I can tell you, Sri Lanka already into 4.30. So I don't know if that was a uh, a mistype from you, Brian, or, the, or if they were four eighty and they've come in fifty cents. But yeah, I mean, it, I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, you got to think Australia will probably bounce back, but Sri Lanka in the plan have done really well. Uh, they've already had a big win in the tournament itself as well. Uh, they they look like they've found some form. So potentially. Potentially, you might be on to something. Also, this text came in from Craig. Now, Craig actually sent this yesterday, uh, and it, during my chat with Ian Smith yesterday, um, and I did build it into that chat there, but you did make some great points, Craig. Um, pleased um, for the Kiwis to have beaten Australia. Black Caps only have to worry about England now. With T20, though, anything is possible. Ireland, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka could on a good day for them and a bad day for us pick up an upset. Certainly that win against Oz is awesome, but it's early and not a foregone conclusion that we get through to the next round. Just my thoughts, Craig. Yeah, I, I think, Craig, you're 100% right. And as I mentioned, you know, the Sri Lankans don't look the worst team. I think uh, we should beat Ireland, we should beat Afghanistan comfortably. England's always going to be a test, isn't it? Uh, and I wouldn't write off the Sri Lankans. I think the Sri Lankans even though they had to play in, that might have actually played into their hands a little bit because they are a little bit more battle-hardened maybe than some of the other teams, particularly early in the tournament. Uh, Big barrel, big range, bigger deals. Become our mate and get rewarded. Bigbarrel.co.nz. Big Barrel Mates Club, where mates look after mates. Uh, Now, the thing that we're going to do next is look after you. Potentially, potentially, you could get yourself a $50 TAB bonus bet because we are going to play stumped. So if you want to play stumped, 
Give us a call now, 0800 150 is the number. And Logan, um, yesterday we did, uh, well, not not down to me, but Lammy chose NHL and it was possibly the worst stump ever because he got all three <laughs> wrong and I got all three wrong. I know as a, a died-in-the-wool ice hockey fan, you were disgusted in us both. Um, it can't get worse than it was yesterday, surely. Look, in my history of running stumped uh, since, well, it's been, what, eight months now? Um, yeah, I actually probably not the worst when you think about it and you look back on, on what's happened uh, in the past. We've had uh, Jake Courtlet, um, the intern, come in and, and cover when the phone lines have been down and mm. played on behalf of the listeners. Did not do so great. Um, so Smithy had to dispatch them and put them out of their misery. Uh, so, yeah, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I will let you know that NHL is not a category today. Well, that's that's a good thing. But I neither is me. UFC. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. All right. But there might be a couple that lead into your strengths. There might not be. Uh, but either way, get calling, everyone. Get calling because you could win a $50 TAB bonus bet. 0800-150-811. going to be a good time to play Stomp. Let's go. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is... Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it is time for Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ricardo Ball in the hot seat in place of uh, Smithy while he's over there in Australia at the T20 World Cup doing the great things as he does, spilling off great lines like Australia getting an absolute hiding at the SCG, Ricardo. Bit One like, of the greats. Bit like you getting a hiding yesterday and Stumped. <laughs> well, did I? Did I get a hiding? I mean, given that Lammy didn't get any right either, it just feels like it was a draw. Yeah, but, I mean, you watch Welcome to Wrexham. I watch Welcome to Wrexham. You know your football well. A draw can be seen two ways, a win or a loss. (laughs) That is true. uh, There's a good draw or there's a bad draw. Yeah, and that was definitely the latter, my friend. I'm (laughs) I'm sorry to say. But, hey, today is a new day. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. So if you can... Stomp our listeners today. Maybe we, we can get that up towards the end of the end of the week. Who knows? But first at the crease, we've got Greg from Mount Wellington. Morning. Yeah, that's the one. How's the boys? Yeah, good, Greg. Good. Yeah, yourself, mate. How's the uh, how's the day looking? Oh, I've been watching heaps of T Twenty. Eh? So hopefully, uh, you're uh, Australia and I'm New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Um, so that was your weekend, was it? Your long labour weekend was watching T20. Was your bum pretty much stuck to the couch? Yeah, man. I've been um, watching it both games, eh? So just recovering from tongue surgery. That's why I'm a bit hard to hear, but yeah, yeah. No, you're doing all right, mate. You're doing all right. I understand you perfectly. All right. Well, uh, uh, Logan, what are the uh, categories? What uh, what can he choose from? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Chris, is this the first time? Oh, not Chris. Sorry, Greg. Greg. Is this the first time you've played Stumped? Yeah, no, I've played over. Yeah. All right. Well, for those of you listening who don't know how the game works, we have three categories to choose from today. Get a question wrong, then it will be over to Ricardo for a chance to knock the listeners' bails off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on that final question, and we will jackpot tomorrow. Now, Greg, the topics for you to choose from today. You might enjoy this. Uh, We've got the T20 Cricket World Cup. We've got the A-League, and we've got the... Aussie NBL, so all Aussie categories. Take your pick. Cricket, bro. 
I knew it before I even said it. <laughs> Gave it away early. Yeah. No, exactly. All right. First question for you, Greg. I like your chances here, considering you how much you've been watching. Who currently holds the highest score of the tournament? Individual Kevin score. Conway? Yeah. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Nice work, Greg. Nice work. He's a man, eh? It's going all right. Yeah, 92 not out against Australia. How good was that? Second question for you, Greg. One match in for New Zealand. Who is leading the Black Caps in bowling in the T20 World Cup? Setna. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Um... When you say leading, can you, I mean, is that the most wickets? Is that the best performance? What are you saying? Well, they're leading in basically all stats anyway. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say Tim Salvey. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Took three for six off 2.1 overs against the Aussies. <laughs> Look at you just rotating and recalling all that information. <laughs> Good for you. Yes, three for six and an economy rate of uh, 2.76. So. As long as Tim Southey continues like that, that would be go. That'd be going great guns for the Black Hats, but that does mean you're dismissed, uh, Greg. Back to the pavilion for you. Up next, he's got his bat. He's ready to go. Mark from Taranaki, coming, mate. How you going? Yeah, good, Mark. Yourself? How's your cricket knowledge? Oh, not too bad. You've been watching not plenty of the World Cup. I've watched uh, watched New Zealand's games. Um, and a little bit of the other stuff. Yeah, nice, nice. Are you confident? One one question to uh, go, and it could be yours, the $50 TAB bonus bet. Beautiful. <laughs> well, it could be yours if you get it wrong and Ricardo gets it wrong. That's, well, that's, that's the beauty of Stumped. All right, last question for you, mate. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. The Black Caps' next opponent is Afghanistan tomorrow night. New Zealand is ranked fifth in the world. What is Afghanistan's current T20I world ranking? God almighty. Um, Afghanistan. Well, probably higher than I think, but um, I'm going to say 11. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's all laid up for you, Ricardo. How confident are you that you could get a last ball stumping here? Uh, reasonably, and I'll, I'll say that because Afghanistan didn't have to play in the play-in tournament, right, to make the 12. So they were one of the top eight ranked teams, that means. So I'm going to say they're eighth. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket Well, my, my, my theory was right. You were trying to use Smithy logic there. No, I appreciate that, that you're trying to think like the great man and try and get mm. the win here. Ten is the correct answer. Ten? Mm-hmm. How did they not have to qualify through the playoffs then? How were they not one of the top eight teams? Well, that's what it says on the website, mate. It says they're 10. So. Hey, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying that, that makes no to sense. To me, it sounds like you've been a sore loser here, mate, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> Mark, that does hey, mean actually, though. Ricardo, I was closer than you, Ricardo, with my eleven just quietly. You were exactly, mate. So, with, by the <laughs> rules of stump, that means you do win, Mark. So, hold the line. Uh, Brian will get your details there. Congrats. Thanks, mate. Well done, mate. Well done. What are you going to spend it on? You got any idea? Uh, d- don't know. Don't know. I um, 
I don't think I'll back Sri Lanka to beat Aussie, but um, I'll work something out. Yeah. Ma- maybe a Melbourne Cup bet. Oh, yeah, it's not too far away. It's not too far. Did you win anything on the Cox Plate on the weekend? I did, actually. Yeah, I had a result there with the uh, exactor. Uh, took um, Animo with... Uh, I'm Thunderstruck to run second, so um, you got that one up. Yeah, nice. So beers on you. Well, they were, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, Mark. Nice. Go well, mate, and good luck with the Melbourne Cup punt as well, eh? Yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers, uh, Mark. Well done. Well done to him. Uh, uh, we'll have another stumped tomorrow. Another fifty dollar TAB bonus. Bit up for grabs. I'm thinking, Logan. I'm thinking that maybe this has got something to do. Uh, the rankings thing has got something to do with how you performed at the last T20 World Cup, potentially. So, because I'm looking at it, and Sri Lanka and the West Indies both had to play in the play-in tournament, hmm. but are both ranked higher than Afghanistan. Yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah, so yeah. that was the only thing that would make sense. So I like that your theory. I you, I think your mind was in the right place, but I think your theory totally got you undone there. Yeah, yeah, totally got me undone. Hey, still, hey, I've I've come closer and been wrong. McLeod Road Reserve. I'm not saying anything else. McLeod Road Reserve. I'm not I'm not hanging on to that, Logan. You know that. You know that. Uh, There's 20 away from 12 here on SCNZ. Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You're on SENZ, mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball with you, it is a quarter to 12. Uh, normally on a Tuesday, Logan, we do um, the Mount Rushmore of something, and we had talked about doing the Mount Rushmore today, but given that Monday was a public holiday, uh, we we have have gone, you know, broadcasters, I mean, not a lot of people know this, but broadcasters and rubbish collectors are all part of the same union. Um, <laughs> so we have bowed to our brothers who are the uh, the garbologists about, uh, we're just going to delay the collection of the Mount Rushmore for a day, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll follow in their footsteps and, and the example of they, that they lead by with the incredible hard work that they do. Yeah, uh, Mount Rushmore this week that mm. you'll hear from tomorrow is... We thought that was a good one to do with Smithy not here because uh, he might get a little bit, um, what's the word? Oh, well, I think he'd get a lot of love. Oh, he will get a lot of love, but he's a very humble man and mm. I think he might, you know, unembarrassed. Might have been a bit awkward? Yeah, awkward might be the word. Uh, we're going for athletes who have now then had an uh, incredible second career as a sports broadcaster. And I think that the important thing is here, you know, there's a lot of average athletes who are better broadcasters than athletes, but what we're talking about is people who were top athletes, top of their game, who have now become top broadcasters as well, aren't we? Yeah, which has made this actually really hard because when you think about it, and then, you know, as someone who loves American sport, I think, all right, John Madden, mm. right? Yeah. The name, I mean, <laughs> the games are named after him, the video games. Great commentator, great coach, only played on the practice squad for, I think it was the Philadelphia Eagles. So never, you know, wasn't a great player. So that cancels him out. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of, that's the kind of, 
balancing act. And I and I, I get a lot of people will put Smithy in there. I mean, I grew up with uh, Smithy was the first Kiwi wicketkeeper that I remember playing for the New Zealand cricket team. I remember him scoring 113 against the Poms in that test. Um, and uh, you know, he was always a bit of a hero when I was a kid. You know, I was playing cricket. You know, Ian Smith was was the man. And now he's like the doyen of cricket here. And also, I mean, how many guys do you get that can cross? Over codes, and not only is he respected as a cricket commentator, but really respected as a rugby analyst as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So we'll get the ball rolling early for tomorrow's show. But Texas in at double eight, double three. Who who are your four on your Mount Rushmore of great athletes that have become great sport uh, great sportscasters in their own right? Yeah. So double eight, double three is the text uh, line. Uh, get get them coming in. Double eight, double three. Uh, definitely keen to hear from you on that. Uh, actually, uh, Logan, um, my my reasoning um, on my on my stumped answer for the last question has been backed up by a few people here. Uh, Jason has tested and says, "Hi guys, Ricardo was right with his theory. When the draw was done, Afghanistan were in the top eight in the world rankings." Cheers, Jason. Um, Ricardo, I was playing along was stumped and had eighth for Afghanistan like you for the same reason. That's from Craig. And Chris, Afghanistan was in the top eight by the cutoff date in November for this World Cup. So my theory was right, even if the answer ultimately was wrong because they slipped down a tenth by the time the World Cup started. Yeah, very sound theory. But hey, argue with the ICC all you want. You're not getting anywhere. Well, to be fair, I think I would get I'd get further arguing with the ICC on uh, on stumped answers than I would with you. To be fair, given the McLeod Reserve uh, debacle <laughs> that still raises its head from time to time. Look, I'm an Auckland Tuatara purist, and I'll stick by it. <laughs> fair, fair. Keep your texts rolling in. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three. We are ten away from midday. Uh, when we come back, Staffy's going to join us. We'll have a chat to him about sportscasters who are great sportsmen as well, and we'll find out what's coming. Coming up this afternoon. It's Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.